Welcome back to the Quantum Podcast for episode five with myself, Ethan Morland, where I aim to speak to high performers about the hows and the whys behind what they do and break it down with them. So today for episode five, I have an absolute machine of a human being on the podcast. Her name is Akana Mori Bartlett, and she's currently running 150 marathons in 150 days from the tip of Australia, which is Cape York, to the toe of Australia being Melbourne to raise money and awareness for the Wilderness Society here in Australia. We spoke about all things to do with this challenge from the logistics side of it, the financial impact that it's had on Akana herself, getting sponsors on board, what she's required to do the challenge itself, how she broke the world record and is continuing to break it every day that she goes out for a run. We spoke about the route planning, how she plans for her runs, how she prepared for the whole thing itself. We also spoke about the recovery and how much she has to eat in a day and then also got into how she quit her job to pursue this challenge and yeah just all the nitty-gritty stuff that you would want to know about how someone does it goes about doing these challenges and also why she's done the challenge and I think it's for a great cause so the GoFundMe for Akana's challenge will be in the description so please go and donate. She's aiming to raise $62,000 for the Wilderness Society and is currently, at the time of speaking, at around $60,000. So let's try and tip her over the edge if we can. I hope you enjoyed this one, so please give it a like, subscribe, and rate the podcast on all platforms. It'll really help get the podcast out there. I appreciate everyone who listens, and yeah, I really hope you enjoy this one. Thank you. Akana, after 133 days of consecutive marathons, how is your body feeling? You know, it had been feeling really great. Um, but right now I'm definitely starting to feel the pinch. Um, today was the first day I got actually quite worried that um, I still had 17 to go. I thought, oh no, these they're getting harder and harder. And I'm a runner and I love running. And so one of the joys for me of running is exploring new places and seeing all these crazy things. It's why I'm out here running the length of the country. But yeah, right now I feel like... I'm not enjoying it because my body's so sore <laughs> that I'm like just trying to get to the finish line. I've just got blinkers on and I'm just trying to get there. That's it. I think because now you're in the final stretch, it's your body's probably just, it's getting into that shutdown mode of like, it's ready to be done and finished with it. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got all blinkers just getting there. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> It's been such a long process just to get to here that and I'm actually in the process now of kind of finished, like finalizing that finish line that I'm getting really excited about it. I forget I still have, you know, what, 17 marathons to go, which is actually huge. So I've got to, I've got to not let my body relax too much. I've, you know, I've still got to focus. Got to stay on it. So for those who don't know, obviously you're running 150 marathons in 150 days for the Wilderness Society. But before we get into that, I want to I want to help people understand who is Akana, the person behind this huge marathon in and of itself. Yeah, I'm um yeah I'm Australian. I live in Melbourne, Australia. Traditionally, um, I actually have always loved sport. Whether it's I played soccer in the UK, I went to Reading University, played soccer overseas, and then in, in the US as well. Um, and yeah, came back and started running probably around 10 years ago, only to make new friends. Um, and I think once I'd sort of started running a bit more often, I realized it, I was hooked. I realized how much of a community there is in running, how fun it could be, how community based. And, and I just noticed that I was relatively good at it. You know, when you start doing things, you're pretty good at. Um, so I started racing. It's everything. Got, everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, no, this one I just seem to be naturally pretty good at. Um, so yeah, I started racing, um, and only the shorter stuff, and then got got into it longer and longer and longer, and then tried my first marathon, failed miserably went out way too hard and got 30 k's in and just had to stop didn't even finish the first marathon I tried um started a little bit slower and a bit smarter on the second one and finished and finished in a pretty good time um and was happy and then yeah from that moment absolutely hooked um started to get pretty good in the road racing scene and then at the peak of my fitness in 2019 early 2020 uh the world went into lockdown and Melbourne had one of the worst lockdowns in the world. We couldn't leave our apartments. Um, we could, for, we had an hour's day, I guess, curfew where we could go outside for an hour, which, you know, back then my runs were not as long as they are now, but they were pretty long. I needed, I needed, you know, at least two hours out there. Um, and so I was so, I guess, housebound and frustrated with all this fitness. And I had, you know, this second passion of native animals. I thought I just, second they let me out I'm going to run the length of the country (laughs) and so they did (laughs) such a wild like challenge itself but so before getting into running you said you were in well into football I'm not going to call it soccer because I'm English it's like sorry you you can't yes I can't (laughs) say it I'm going to say it but yeah so why did you transition from football to running because you've gone from that team sport to that very Mm -hmm. individualized sport yeah I've always been a team sport person, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I played football for poor 15, 10 to 15 years, pretty high, you know, pretty high level here in Australia. Um, got a scholarship to the US to play and then moved across to Reading. Um, and I think I just, to be honest, got to the point where I wasn't good enough to play professionally because it wasn't, it wasn't my f- only focus. I was, you know, at university and I was doing, you know, other social things like drinking too much um (laughs) that in the end I I I think I'd worn myself out I wasn't enjoying playing at a lower level because you know I was almost at that time too good to to want to play recreational football but it wasn't good enough to be professional so I was in this kind of weird gray area I was like all right I'm just gonna take a break from it do something else The, the, the team I was with the girls they were pretty somewhat political and I just needed a break and it coincided with me coming back from London needing moving into the Melbourne um and just trying a different sport and I actually unintentionally moved across the road from athletics track and you know I'd always been thrown on the wing because I was pretty fast so it's pretty much I was like oh it's almost football but just without the ball (laughs) so I moved so I moved um yeah across from a running track and then pretty much yeah thought what an opportunity to try something new so walked across the road and jumped into one of their sessions and yeah fell in love and I think my hesitation from running was that it was it's not a, it's not, I didn't think it was a team sport and I loved the, the social side, but it can be. That's what I've definitely learned now. It absolutely can be. Oh, hundred percent. But so then you got into running and you got into like races and different things like that. But why tip to toe? Why this like very specific challenge of running from the most Northern point to the most Southern point of Australia? It's hard to put a why on it. It just sort of came to me and I wouldn't say an epiphany, but just, I just, it's something that I kind of always liked the idea of. Um, and the East coast of Australia is so beautiful and I'd never been past Cairns, which is to put it into perspective, to fly, most people just know Cairns down, but to fly halfway from Melbourne to, to the top of Australia is only Brisbane. And then you have to fly 
that distance again to get to Cairns and then drive for three days to get to the top. It's a long, long way. And it's so remote. You can't do it unless you have a four-wheel drive. Um, and I liked the adventure side of it. I just didn't know if anyone had done it. I found out there are people who have done it in various forms and I didn't know if, yeah, if it was possible for me to do it. So I kind of liked the kind of intensity of the challenge and the remoteness of the challenge. The distance is it's literally incredible because I remember when I, so I moved over here five months ago to Melbourne and yep. the, so when, so I flew from Hong Kong down to Melbourne and during the flight, I was like, I think it was, we were above Darwin. I was like, Oh, I mustn't have long now. And it was another like six hours. I was like, I couldn't literally get to the other side of Europe from the UK in this time just to get from North to South. So to run it is just ridiculous. And the total yeah. distance is 6,200. 120 kilometers it's actually more than that i did the math wrong early on so that's my fault because <laughs> that's what i've told everyone <laughs> but i've just done the math now it's 6330 so um yeah i undersold myself which is a bit silly um and it's so far and you know the crazy thing is i'm in aubrey wodonga so tomorrow i'm running across the victorian border and then i have 16 days to get to melbourne whereas it took me almost 4,000 kilometers to get from the tip to the, to the Queensland border. Queensland is so big yeah, you compared to everything it, else. No, it's massive. It's ridiculous. Like the, I can't even imagine some of the things you've seen along the way being so remote as well. It's been really fun. And that's what I wanted. You know, there was weeks where we wouldn't have phone reception. And so if something went wrong with the pickup or the rendezvous, we'd be completely stuck. And there was a day in particular where, the cars weren't where they said they were um, and we didn't get back to camp until 6 p.m. So, you know, things did, can go wrong and when you don't have phones, you take it so, so for granted how easy it is to call for help. But not having that, you have to rely on everything else around you. So I was relying on hitchhiking and the kindness of strangers for water and food and just anyone driving past. I got really comfortable just sticking my hand up and saying, hey, can I have, you know, anything that you've got that's going to help me survive out here? That's wild. So the the whole uh, sort of challenge itself is for the Wilderness Society, isn't it? So for anyone who doesn't know, what is the Wilderness Society and what do they do? The Wilderness Society are a Tasmanian-based charity or non-for-profit. And what essentially they do is they work pretty um, hard to protect Australia's national parks. They do that through two ways. Um, firstly, through um, law reform. So they're really campaigning to have the national parks protected on a federal level from any intervention. So logging, mining, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then they also have these grassroots projects where they, I guess, from a grassroots level, educate people on campaigning their local MPs uh, and just working to, I guess, organize each other to provide avenues to volunteer whether that's tree planting or caring for animals they just help other people who are established caring for animals um anything along the line that essentially protects nature and protects the animals that reside in nature um and that's exactly what i love i love australian animals um you know australia is now a world leader in biodiversity loss. I mean, the ABC just released an article today that the, by, I think it was in the next 30 years, the koala is going to be extinct unless we do something. Um, you know, this is a globally significant animal over there with like the polar bear and the panda. I mean, if we lose the koala, it's just it's just not good enough. So yeah, I definitely wanted to, um, to counteract a, a bad record, a bad world record with a good one, which hopefully, hopefully that's what I'm doing. It seems the way now that a lot of 
indigenous Australian wildlife were losing very quickly. So like the Tasmanian devil is obviously yeah. that is on the decline. And then I saw that article that you posted today about the koalas and the koalas one that I think everyone, that's the one animal everyone loves. And it's like, they don't have, no one has a clue that actually there's probably ten, only tens of thousands of these things left when probably a hundred years ago, there was millions. Oh, absolutely. There was millions and millions and millions. And the issue with the koala is um, that you can't, you can't um, move it so much because they have a specific, I guess, microbiome, similar to what we have, where they need a specific gum. So you've got to be this very much localized the issues. So you've, we can't just think, okay, well, there's heaps of koalas in King Island. We'll just move them to Queensland. It's not really how it works because um, they've just only ever evolved there. And it's not just the koala. I mean, that's one that everyone that pulls at everyone's heartstrings, so it gets used a lot. But there's almost 500 animals that are endangered, um, and our rate of ex rate of preventing extinction hasn't changed since European settlement 200 years ago. So, I just think as much as I can, and it's why I'm putting a lot of energy out here in the afternoons, you know, sharing this message is because I feel like that's it's a very it's very important. Um, it's definitely cost me some speed out here because I spend so much of my afternoons, you know doing a little bit more media or school visits or community talks or social events to share it than otherwise I would like to be sleeping, eating, sleeping and eating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I've noticed how much you're doing to get this message out here. But it seems as well, because with the nature of the challenge, everyone looks at that at surface level and just goes, oh shit, you're running 150 marathons in 150 days, when actually I, f I feel sometimes the actual cause of it gets lost because people are so fascinated by the actual challenge itself. So I think like the, what you're doing it for is absolutely incredible because I think as you know, as you said, since European settlers, there's so many animals which are going towards extinction and it's quite scary as well because it not only affects the animal itself, but it affects the entire ecosystem. And absolutely. that obviously then will come to affect us as well, which is, it's scary 100%. to think about. Yeah, a lot of people now, I mean, 2022 has been the year of climate change, I guess. Everyone's realised it with the floods and the fires. And I think the more we destroy, and it's more than animals, you're right, the more do we destroy the forests, these forests literally take the carbon out of the atmosphere that is causing the issue. So, yeah, I think the best thing about this was doing it now in 2022. I'm not just getting people that are, just think it's, it's ridiculous. I'm getting people going, oh, you know, you're right. My house was underwater three months ago and before that on, on fire. It's, you know, I think, unfortunately, Australia is at a state where, well, I think maybe the whole world's like this, where unless it's an absolute dire situation, people don't really pay attention. It has to be yeah. on their doorstep for people to be like, okay, I can see the issue now. Now we need to do something. And it's a shame it has to get to that. But um. Yeah, and it's a shame I have to do something like run 150 days in a row almost <laughs> until my body breaks down. But, you know, there's also obviously a personal challenge involved in this as well. So I do get a lot of yeah. personal satisfaction. Oh, 100%. Um, but so in terms of the preparation for it itself, I'm interested in how you actually manage to prepare your body to be able to run this amount of volume for this long. When I Before I started or on a daily you, basis? Before you started. Yeah. Yep. So that was an interesting one. So like I said, I've been a runner for about seven or eight years and I was running to try and, you know, run the fastest marathon I could run. And to do that, if you do have any, you know, runners or single kind of, you, you have to run heaps. You have to do a speed session every week, a long run every Sunday, just to, I guess, break it down. 
And then this, it's called a threshold where you run at your highest threshold for like, I don't know, 30 minutes to 45 minutes once a week. And pretty much you're running about 120 to 150 kilometers a week. Anyway, I was pretty fit and lean going into this because I, um, you know, my goal was to, to race a fast marathon when the, when COVID shut us down. So what I actually did was the opposite. I backed off the running completely. I put on f- about five kilos of weight, knowing I would probably work it off. I went to the gym probably three times a week and I just instead focused on, I guess, strength and, and, and injury prevention and just getting to the start line healthy. Cause to be honest, I knew the fitness would just come. So I, I just tried to do everything I could to not get injured out here. And I think to be honest, touch wood, cause I haven't been injured in a little while. It's working. I was going to ask how have the injuries been? Because obviously the amount of volume that's going through ankles, shins, knees, hips, like surely there's something that's come along the way that's you thought, shit, this, this could be an issue. Yeah, I did it. All of my injuries came in the first month. So a calf injury, a quad injury, a Tibant injury, all because I had probably not got used to the load. So they were all overuse injuries. They were weirdly all on my left side. So maybe there was a technique thing. Um, but surprisingly, and this is testament to the human body, I completely overcame them all while running a marathon a day. So um, wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> But I did get some extreme physio and yeah, I guess it just shows that unless it's actually injuring you, you can maintain it and it can improve so long as you're smart about it or, or you, yeah, smart-ish about it where you can kind of just spend all afternoon rehabbing and yeah, just kind of deal. If you can, if you can run through it, run through it. That's what I did. I had this mentality. To be honest, if it happened now, it might be different because it was so early on. I'd invested so much into going out here and doing this. So I didn't want to quit in the first two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas now, if I'm, now that I've got, you know, the world record and I've raised almost my goal money, I'd be like, okay, well, maybe I can stop. <laughs> the, it's quite interesting because you, when you see people do do massive challenges like this, like there's a guy in the UK who did 48 marathons in 30 days and another one, like Whoa. there's people who do, you know, like the 250 kilometer ultras and what have you. And, you always tend to find they get injured early because it's like the body almost goes into this state of severe shock and doesn't know what to do. And then after a while, it then just, they like sort of, oh, it calms down a bit, even though you still repetitively putting it through this like terrible strain. I don't know why that is. I'm not a, I, I, I don't know because the exact same thing happens to me. If I had the answers, oh man. But the only, another reason I go through it is because the advice I'd got from the like two other people in the world that I reached out to who had done a similar thing, they all said, don't quit in the first two weeks. No matter what, you're going to suffer and it's going to you're going to hate it. But the first, once you get past two weeks, it'll it'll ease up. And to their credit, it, it did. It's eased up. Now it's getting sore again, but it did for a while. Yeah. So how long were you preparing in total for this challenge before you started it? About, I mean, I had a full-time job. So probably about a year, but only when I had time. So um, you know, lunch breaks after work in the evenings um, and on weekends. So not as much as I would have liked to. There was a lot of unknown. To be honest, I'm still planning the path that I'm taking almost on a day-to-day basis based on what happens around me. Um, some things had to be happened, like getting the full drive and, 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 and getting a truck. The camper was a truck about camper that we're in. It's an off-road camper. That stuff had to happen to go. But essentially, I had a very bare minimum list of things I needed to achieve to go. And once I got them, the rest I made it up as I went. <laughs> like, 
the uh, the logistics side of it absolutely boggles my mind because there's just so much that would obviously go into it. Like you said, like there's the routes you've got to do, there's getting the car, there's getting the camper, there's where you're going to stay, all these different kinds of things. But what was the most surprising thing to you during the logistics side of it that you're like, oh my God, I didn't even think I'd have to do that? Not having internet was very difficult. We even spent a lot of money on this antenna um, that's supposed to what is it called repeat internet signal and then I just never learned how to use it so it's it's like this two thousand dollar thing on my car that I don't know how to use that's <laughs> just the way isn't um, it <laughs> it's just the way um I think the most surprising thing too was I was really worried that I would have to take so much food from from Melbourne up and just have all this food but you can buy food I've learned everywhere in Australia it's like you even these you will pay for it I mean I think I saw a broccoli bunch for like $15 but there wow. you knock yeah I know but there's bits and pieces all over particularly up to the Cape um I learned that the roads are astronomically bad up there I mean you will be in corrugations that just rattle pieces off your car for three days straight and that was so difficult to deal with and and that's probably another reason I got all my injuries up there is because the roads just corrugated the entire way so I was never had I never had even footing so I had yeah. literally what is it like almost a month of uneven footing which and heat and dust that was it was very hard um but for the logistics it was kind of fun making it up as you went it's just this it added this extra element of, of challenge which yeah I think made it exciting it's almost there's so much civilization around now that kind of part of the, the adventure is done now. And I kind of miss it a little bit, just the remoteness of it all. Yeah. Um, so you were saying like you did a lot of it while you were doing your full-time job. So what was the job that you did before this? And then did you quit, did you quit that job? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I threw it all in, um, which is a shame because to be honest, I was only a year into this role and I did love it. A very stressful though. I was running um, uh, the like, logistics side of a and supply side of a company that imported natural food so I'm a nutritionist but this was all commercial had nothing to do with nutrition so we'd bring in all these organic natural foods and distribute them and sell them to you know retailers and wholesale and, and food manufacturers um, you know Coles and Woolies and all that stuff so that was happening in the time of COVID where global shipping was you know effed um and everything got really expensive and then there was the war in ukraine so it was a very stressful time to be in that role and um i remember i would just literally be sleep talking in my sleep just couldn't switch off so i took the, the year leading up to this was one of the busiest stressful years i would say i've ever had um i reckon it's aged me 10 years in one <laughs> not the run itself just the, just no. the year leading up to it just preparing for the run so how was it like taking that leap to actually quit the job? Because obviously there's the security there that comes with it and you've just thrown that all away for this challenge. Yeah, really good question. Um, it was terrifying and which is why I ran through injuries because I thought, oh no, I've quit my job. My partner who is helping support quit his job. My dad took long service leave just to do the first Kate bit so he could fix the car in case anything, well, everything that went wrong with the car. Um, you know, I'd had sponsors on board. I was the ambassador for things. There was so much weighing on this going right that I felt, I absolutely felt it. And there was so many times where I would be emotional, not because I was tired from the run, but because I didn't have any option but to do it. I feel like I'd backed myself in a corner a little bit. Um, but maybe I needed that. Maybe I needed that push to keep going. Um, maybe that's what actually showed me what I was capable of is, is that extra, I guess, motivation to keep going. I, I yeah. don't know. 
it's 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 so interesting and so good that you've done it because I think a lot of people struggle to take leaps like that even if it's like you know to go traveling or to do something different people don't want to take the leap leap because they're so comfortable in that you know that nine to five job they may be doing or whatever it may be but obviously it wasn't just you that you said that quit your job it was your partner as well so how did you manage to get him persuade him to quit his job as well Oh, when I first met him, we've been together almost two years now. I said, I, you know, I was super keen on doing this. It's something that this was just after lockdown ended. So, you know, I escaped lockdown. I was like, hey, nice to meet you. I want to run the length of the country. <laughs> and he said, hey, nice to meet you. I'm a filmmaker. I'd love to turn it into a story. So it kind of um, worked out perfectly where he has his own project in and around Tip to Toe where he captures all the film, um, you know, makes the videos with me and is also kind of he's got a side project where potentially after this we'll turn it into a you know an adventure adventure film so there's definitely parts of it um that you know work for both of us in terms of we've both got our own goals around it um he has more work sometimes than me because he does you know sets up the camper drops me water packs up the well sets well packs down the camper at the start of the day cooks the food all of that stuff um but it's definitely a two-person job I think um as much as I do all the running there's so much that goes on in the, the background as well um that yeah it would be a very different challenge if it was just me yeah the so obviously the videos he's creating are like super positive they're such great videos so well done but what has been like the tough side of it that we may not see in those videos me being me struggling to have the energy to be on camera because yes I'm positive and that's who I am and when I am when I am on camera that is me it's me being me but getting the motivation to to, to do those kind of segments and sometimes have to repeat bits that I've said wrong or actually the hardest part is I get so foggy mentally I can't actually think of anything to say so he's like oh let's let's talk about how you were telling me that you were feeling really crappy because of this, this and this. And then he'll put the point, the camera and I just can't think of anything to say because my brain's so tired. Um, that's definitely difficult. Um, if I just, I just, yeah. And then in the afternoons, I'm, I'm pretty average company. I spend a lot of time sleeping <laughs> <laughs> and I have all these incredible things I want to do that I think of during the run and then I finish and I don't have the energy or, or motivation to do them. So I think I can be a bit of a roller coaster with my emotions just purely due to fatigue um, and having to, I guess, constantly be a, a positive support to then keep me upright. It, it, it must be so hard. So, yes, yeah, I feel like being the person, like him being on the side, is obviously probably as tough a job because there's so much he's got to think about and got to do, especially like, you know, when you're, like you said, you're not in the mood to be on camera and he's then having to go, like, look, we need to get this video for mm -hmm. today for like day 120 or what have you um i can't even imagine some of the some of the arguments and stuff that are going on with that absolutely and what we both see is a significant part of the day can sometimes stiffer you know i i can sometimes because i'm out there having this battle with myself for hours at a time so i come home and i'm really grumpy because i've already been to war like once in a day um yeah. you know because so then he, he goes up oh, you know this is I saw this out of that and you saw this. So just trying to capture the day, I guess, how we both see it has been really fun. But to be honest, it's, we, we work really well together. And I think it's, it's been the best thing. Like having a project to work on with, you know, your partner is absolutely awesome. Like I couldn't recommend it more. If you have a joint hobby, just go out and do it. And particularly one that's surrounded with like completely 
adventurous. I think it, there's going to, we've had something to do or a challenge that's faced us almost every day, whether the car's broken down or, you know, we've run out of power or there's no internet or just, you know, there's, there's issues every single day. Um, today we spent the day chasing down shoes before the public holiday that had been sent me. Um, and we had to drive from the post office. They hadn't arrived to the depot. We had to, you know, get the depot to help us, you know, catch them in transit kind of thing. So there's always something to do. <laughs> How many pairs of running shoes have you gone through? Uh, I'd say seven, seven. I've got 12 with me and I think I've got a couple of pairs I haven't worn yet but I never wear the same pair two days in a row. So I'll have, I'll have three on the go and I'll wear one on Monday, a different one on Tuesday, a different one on Wednesday. And then I'll go back to the first one for Thursday. I was going to say, like, I thought there'd be probably more. I thought you'd be at like 15, 16 kind of, kind of range with the shoes. Cause I thought, isn't it, is it 300 kilometers for a pair of shoes it's, usually? It's about a 800 to a thousand. So um, oh, I'm thinking I'm miles about, then. Oh yeah, you would be. Yeah. It would be miles a hundred percent. It'd be about 300, 400 miles for sure. Um, I wouldn't know how far I've run in miles. I've done around 5,700 Ks. So fair few pairs of shoes. Maybe I need to replace them sooner. <laughs> That's insane. 5,700. It's, it's just ridiculous. But the challenge itself, a, prob- a question I haven't, I haven't heard be asked is, have you spent more than you anticipated? Money? Yeah. Oh, a million percent. A million percent. So I budgeted, get this, $2,700 for petrol from the top to the bottom. Because at the time, using the only calculator I could find on the internet, Ks, I didn't factor in the fact that would be carrying a one-ton trailer and the car we had was a guzzler. It cost us in petrol $900 to get to Cairns before we even started and then another $900 to get to the Cape. So I'd almost blown my budget before we'd started in petrol. Um, oh, my God. And in my head, I was thinking that camping would be relatively free because you can free camp as much as you can in Australia, but there's cities, you can't free camp in Sydney. You can't free camp anywhere on the East coast in that busy spot. We were getting charged a night for camping, like $90 a night, you know? So, and I kind of am reliant more on, 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 I guess, power than I thought I would be because I am sharing this publicly. So I do need access to, to be able to share um, the story. So you do need power for phones and, and laptops and editing and the drone and, you know, the cameras for that, um, but also a shower. So as much as I've showered in rivers and waterfalls and like literally pools and puddles and everything, it is nice to have an actual shower when you're doing <laughs> four and a half to five hours of running a day. <laughs> yeah. So how have you actually been funding the whole process? Cause I think a lot of people will be interested to understand where, sort of money's coming from to be able to do this kind of thing? It came from savings to start off with. I do have a couple of sponsors that are helping out. I mean, having a camper covers accommodation every day. Um, you do have to obviously pay camping fees and stuff, but that's been huge. Um, a lot of the product I've luckily got some incredible sponsors for. So, you know, Tarkan for my shoes and apparel and Amble for apparel and Cliff bars for all of the nutrition and Cocoa Coast for hydration and Barocca. So I've got I've got things covered, um, and also even a little bit of food has been covered too by Market Organics and Paddy Palin. But to be honest, savings and yeah, two small sponsors that have covered a small financial aspect of it. Um, so yeah, just savings because <laughs> all the money that we're raising is going to charity. So luckily, that stressful job allowed a buffer at the start that I've 
almost completely exhausted. So I think I'll just start again when I get back to Melbourne. Yeah. So the, you're raising $62,200. That's right. And yeah. I think when I checked yesterday, it was at about 59,000. That right? That's exciting. I yeah, think so. so I, don't, I don't check it every day, but that's very cool. Yeah. I checked it. I was like, Bloody hell, you're close and I mm-hmm. probably will break it by the time you get to Melbourne. Well, oh, I'm hoping to smash it by the time I get to Melbourne. Did you ever think you would reach a number like that? Cause that is an insane number to raise for charity. I hope so. I hope so because I knew I would give it a lot of energy. Um, I do hope to even go past it to hit. It will be such a great feeling because you know, it, it is a lot of, it is a lot of money. Um, but I guess we'll wait and see. I'm very, very, very happy that I'm at this, that I'm this close with so far, <laughs> particularly coming into Melbourne to the finish line. Just a quick interruption here because obviously you'll see that Akana has changed her background. It was because her laptop was about to die mid-interview. So I just thought I'd take the time to tell you to like, subscribe, follow the podcast. Please share it with anyone who would may possibly be interested. I appreciate your help. You're obviously funding the it yourself using your savings and then a little bit from certain sponsors. But did you anticipate the financial impact it's had on yourself or did you think that there would maybe be more sponsors coming in to help you that's a really good question and it is something that I think could take another seven podcasts to talk about because there's a lot of things here that I've always been strongly I guess close to like the gender balance you know discrepancy with sponsorship in in Australian sport um you know being female out here probably plays a big difference um, to say, I know some you know, male runners that have got a lot more, I guess, sponsorship funding. Um, I'm not unhappy. I feel also quite lucky and quite, quite, um, I guess, grateful for the sponsorship that I do have. I always knew at the start that that this wouldn't get completely funded by sponsorship. I just knew the, the it's too much time out here. I'm out here for six months. Um, I never wanted, but I never wanted to make money off this either. It was always a personal challenge that I was going to fund and anything on top of that was, was, I guess, a bonus. Like I said, though, earlier, I mean, I had a bare minimum that I needed to, to make this start that the trailer was definitely one um, food and I guess shoes and apparel and bits and pieces were the other. And then as soon as I got that, I was, I was at least covered. So if you got shelter and food, I figured I could work the rest out. Um, yeah. But I'm not disappointed. I think that it's, been so rewarding in so many other ways and you know it's also as well it's six months of your life that you can give back to the world you know so it's almost my way of saying hey I'm going to take some time out and live with less and and not focus on material goods and almost just donate time and money to the greater good just for a small period of my life and I've been it's a really good feeling so it's I think as well it's not just six months that you're giving back to obviously charity and the greater good but you it's six months of your life that no one else will ever experience anything like it you've you'll you can say you have definitively traveled from the tip to the toe of australia which only probably a handful of people have done absolutely and doing it on foot as well is so spectacular and even here in the hume i mean aubrey and i used to drive between where was it melbourne and where i grew up in canberra where my family lives you know three times a year and i hated the drive it was so boring it's just rolling hills of dead grass and now that I'm here on foot I'm like there's so much beauty out here there's rivers and streams and valleys and mountains and I never really appreciated it but now that you kind of spend 
you know, a week in such a small little, because it takes a long time. You move fast, but slow is what I've, what I've experienced, you know, you pass a town and it goes so fast, but when you're out in these big linking kind of distances, it goes, it goes really slowly. (laughs) Yeah. I can imagine. It's like, obviously there's, when you're going down the main roads where there's just like, you can see, you know, 20 miles ahead. What's that like mentally? Like, do you ever think, fucking hell, I just want to stop and, you know, go to bed and quit? Oh, those are the hardest roads. There's some out here actually where you can see, you can see in the distance just where your finish line is and you're like, it just looks so, well, it doesn't even look that far away, but you never get to it, if that makes sense. So you can see yeah. it and you're like, yep, I'll get there. And then you run for 25 minutes and it's no closer. And then you run for two hours and it's no closer. You're like, that's when you crack the shit. It's like, this sucks, you know? Um, it's really hard, particularly when it's a headwind too, and you're just running into a headwind the entire way. Oh, oh that's like, I feel like the entire North Cape, the, the entire Cape region was just running into a headwind the entire way. There was a day I cracked it so much that I turned around and ran back up to camp the opposite <laughs> way and just was like, this is me. I'm going the other way. <laughs> Had enough. Done with it. <laughs> so the, obviously to do a marathon a day, you're expending a lot of energy. And my mum wanted me to ask this question. She was like fascinated by it. She was like, how much is she having to eat to be able to get by every day? So much. Yeah. So I'm burning probably 4,000 calories just living. So it's over that. Um, And then you have to sort of factor in recovery as well. So today I had chips when I first finished, a bowl of chips, um, and then an ice cream scone and a cookie and a thing of chocolate. And that's just the snacks. And then, you know, so it's, it's all garbage that I need to top up so I'm usually having three healthy healthy meals a day um a large kind of muesli in the morning a big kind of you know lasagna or pasta for lunch and then the same thing for dinner so three really large meals and then I'll substitute it with as many sweets as possible it's like the only benefit of being able to do this much exercise is the large amount of your Christmas hasn't even affected me every day is like Christmas day (laughs) was there a Christmas dinner on Christmas day there was a Christmas lunch at a family friend's, yeah. But I didn't oh, last long. Thing. My social energy is so small. I think I lasted two and a half hours in one glass of punch and I was, yeah, had to have a nap. <laughs> to be fair, I don't blame you at all. Two and a half hours is probably longer than I would have lasted. <laughs> but the, so you're eating that much, but also the, obviously you, you said you eat three healthy meals a day. But you, I heard you say on another podcast that you just try to eat healthy at the start. So how hard was it to try to actually realize, like, I can't just eat healthy foods. I have to eat shit as well. Yeah, it didn't actually take that long because at the top, like I said, I packed all of the food in the trailer because I didn't actually expect to have any access to it. And I didn't. I packed a little bit of chocolate, but I didn't pack much junk because it's in my normal normal life I didn't really uh eat that much junk I was quite healthy you know and so out here I w- it started when I'd run past a roadhouse and just crack a creamy soda and it would just be so delicious um and then it went into shapes and then it went into chips and then it sort of I just realized pretty quickly that um I didn't crave you know carrot and hummus I was craving you know potato and chips and and just I was craving salty fatty food and I just thought to myself I'd lost I'd lost all of the other thing is I'd lost that five kilos I'd put on and I was scared that I was going to keep losing weight and that would derail it if I lost too much weight I wouldn't have any energy so I thought okay well it's not working just eating this healthy food I'm going to have to supplement it with everything else so now I'm just kind of with 17 days to go just eating whatever I can um to get to get it in and I think to be honest I've crossed the line a little bit by 
I need to put more healthy back into it. I think I'm taking it for granted a little bit too much. Well, it's the time to do it, isn't it? It's the time to get in whatever you can eat. You may as well. I was telling, I was telling my partner today that I'm really worried that this will end and I will just keep eating how I'm currently eating. And it would only take about four days for me to like put that five kilos straight back on. Oh, it'd be so worth it though. It will so, it'll be so worth it when you're finished and you can just, you can eat that and not worry about actually I've got to go and run afterwards. It'll be great. It'll be the best. <laughs> so for your recovery, what are you doing to stay on top of that? Like, are you doing any massage, any, you know, cold water therapy, anything like that? I should be doing more massage. I'm definitely not doing enough. I just don't have time because by the time the day sort of arrives and I've finished running and set up camp and have lunch, it's usually three or four o'clock. Um, and so they, and then you got to do the same thing again the next day. So I've had three massages or four massages since I started, which is nothing, nothing at all. Um, and just because of the nature of constant movement, I have to rely on only really sleep and food. They're the things that I'm pretty strict on. Um, I'm trying to get at least eight hours every night. And obviously we talked about food. So there's so much more I could do. I could stretch more. I've got, I've got all of this equipment to stretch, but because I'm living in the bush, you often get destroyed by insects if you stretch <laughs> in the, you know, on the grass. So I, I learned pretty quickly that it, I'd rather not be itchy all night and just not stretch. So I'm not doing enough. I know that, but I'm just hanging on now. I'm hanging on for 17 more days and we'll see what happens. It's wild that you've managed like only three massages in what is it 133 days you're at now. Yeah, not enough. I know I was trying to get more. And luckily as I run into Mansfield, my coach lives there and I, he's like, we'll light up the massage tables. You have one every day. So oh, we'll see. So the fatigue itself, which is worse, the mental or the physical fatigue? The, the physical fatigue yeah mentally I'm 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 okay with being out there I've got podcasts I've got friends often or people who have joined me the physical fatigue then makes me have to rely on mental strength to get through it um yeah everything just hurts my hips my knees my calves my head um yeah it's not a boredom or mental thing anymore it's all my body <laughs> yeah so that resilience that you've obviously built during this, is it like how important has that been to get up every day at whatever time and just be like, right, like put one foot in front of the other and keep going? It's the most important thing. You know, I I think that I'm going to be such a stronger person from doing this. You know, that alarm goes off every morning and I don't even think, I just turn it off, I get out of bed and make a coffee because if I think about it, then I have a battle to, to overcome. I just don't even don't even factor a no. Um, there's only been one morning where I got up and it was pissing down with rain, like torrential rain, and I just remember standing there looking out into it going, oh, I don't know, I don't want to do it today. Um, and I have those moments a little bit. The first six kilometres of every run, I feel overwhelming. I feel overwhelmed with what I have ahead of me um and so I try and rely on distraction techniques a little bit to get me to 6k's and then I'm like oh I'm almost at 10 and then it kind of it, it gets through it there um some days are definitely harder than others um but I think without without giving myself a quitting option I just I just kind of don't think and I just do the so the world record itself that you did was a hundred and it was 106 days prior to you wasn't it and then yep. you've absolutely blown out of the park like it's nothing. <laughs> but 
how like logistically how much goes into that because i listened to a podcast that you did and i was actually blown away by the amount you have to do for Guinness yeah. world record to officially instate it as a world record yeah it's silly um i mean it makes sense though because i guess we want to keep it fair and fair but you have to have so i have a gps watch um and you have to have a specific it's not strava they don't accept strava but it's a specific gps file that shows exactly where you've been you have to log the time you ran your address start finish date you know all of that stuff um pace you have to have witnesses um which is helpful having my partner with me on the run um and other people who who, who come along and join um what do you have to have a photo that sh shows you where you are like a live photo being like it's christmas day i'm here in canberra i ran a 42 you know lots of stuff um and i think um so the current well the previous world record holder was a scottish couple of two friends and they did it together and Guinness weren't getting back to me. They take like weeks and weeks and weeks. And I was maybe day 13 or 14 in and they still hadn't got back to me. So I'd ask the two Scottish girls if they would give me the requirements. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm coming for your record. Can you tell me how? And luckily they did. They, they told me. They've got to be nice. Like, like such nice people to do that. Like someone's coming to you going, I'm going to take your record and absolutely blow it out of the park. But please tell me what it is so I can do it. Like it's insane. Oh. It's insane. But, um, but I would help anyone else. That, like there's been people that have asked me um, for various similar records and I've given them everything, like pay it forward, I say. Yeah. It's what like, I think it's that community thing though, isn't it? With running with like, as much as it's very individual and it's like your own battle, it's everyone around you. It's just, just this huge community that like, obviously they all care for each other. They all want each other. They want to see everyone's successes, not just their own. Absolutely. I love it. That's the best thing about it is, you know, I met a person, um, a guy at the Hunter Valley um, near Sydney and he'd, he invited um, us to stay at his, his Airbnb. He goes, you can stay for free. It's my contribution to your cause. And he goes, you want to go for a run in the morning? I said, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, and he goes, cool. All right. Well, I start at 4.30 every day. I was like, I'm not running with you. <laughs> but anyway, we compromised and met at 6.30 and he... Um, He'd done 147 half marathons in a row. I said, mate, why don't you go for the world record? It's 229. He's like, oh, I haven't been running with a Garmin. So I said, well, this is what you need to do. So he messaged me that day a photo. He'd bought a Garmin and he was going to start again at 147 in. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, it's crazy, hey? That's some resilience. That is like 147 in and you're just starting again. So he's going to blow the record out of the park because I think was the men's, the men's records like 300 marathons, but it's not I officially so. a Guinness world record. It's so high. Yeah. It's so high. But I think like, I can't see anything stopping him, but he just didn't know Like he just didn't know that that world existed. So it's really fun when you sort of say, Hey, have you thought of this? And then they like, ah, oh, and then I'm already doing it. I may as well see how far that, I can go. So that's absolutely wild. It's like, yeah some of the stuff like i've become new to the running world probably in the past year and some of the stuff you see people do is just like on another level like the 48 30 what you're doing you know runs across australia runs you know from top of the uk to the bottom there's a guy at the minute from the uk who's um he's starting a run from north to south of africa in february yeah in february that's like and i'm like i'm watching these people i'm like how do you do it like how are you putting this together africa would be a logistical nightmare yeah oh it's, man and I've dangerous looking, yeah i've been looking at what he's doing and he's having to so rather than going just straight north to south he's having to take like a excursion 
to the West to go round because one of the two of the countries are in at war. So he's having to go round them to be able to do it. It's just, it's absolutely mind blowing what what will go into something like that. Oh, but wow. The so over the course of this, obviously you've been away for 133 days. What's one thing you've missed most? And what's one thing you can't wait to get rid of? Good question. I've missed. Oh, I've missed having good coffee at the end of my street. That's been like I've I've missed having a shower walking distance from me rather than having to source a water source. You know, sometimes you just want a shower. Um, but that's. I've missed some of my friends, my close friends and my family. I was away for Christmas. Um, so I've missed, I've missed that, but I'm so driven by purpose that I'm okay about it all. I know it's temporary. Um, and what was the second one? What's the most, the, what's the thing you want to get rid of? Yeah. Out here? Yeah. Insects. <laughs> <laughs> Mosquitoes and midges. <laughs> I bet you just not, absolutely covered in bites. I have I have the most scarpocked legs from this. Oh, I'm out here running for wildlife and they're just destroying me. <laughs> attacking you, attacking the cause. Wild. Absolutely. So, so once you once you finish, what are the plans for after? Because obviously once you're done, it's kind of people who have done big challenges, they have that like post-race slump. So what's your plan afterwards? might do that African run. No, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually don't know. I'm going to take some much needed rest and relaxation um, after this just to get my body right. It definitely needs a break. I just don't have any energy for life or to think or to do anything. So I'm going to focus on health. Um, But, yeah, it's a weird one. I quit my job and put 100% of my focus into this that when it's over, I don't know. I'm kind of gonna just wait and see I think and I'm very much a big believer in just seeing where the world takes you um and I'm not worried I think at the end of the day I can go back and work in a similar industry to what I was in but I don't want that to be the goal I want to see what happens and and go from there and yeah I mean I'll still run I've just got to decide if I'm going to do a fun road marathon or if I'm going to try and do a fun ultra marathon and just work out what happens had you done an ultra marathon before you done this only one. I did the Guzzler two weeks out or three weeks out as a practice run. It was 53 Ks. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done. So I'll probably go back to road racing. <laughs> Stay away from it. Oh, it's hard. Only one before you've done this and then you decide, oh, I'm going to run 150 days consecutively. Just ridiculous <laughs> thought. I figured so, if I can do an ultra, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? Eh? So I think an important question as well, because obviously you've got your personal aspects and you've got the charitable aspects of it. But what is your why for this whole thing? Mm, I think the why is twofold. It's definitely there's a personal why. I mean, I wanted to test my own personal limits. Um, and I think I'm doing that. I, I definitely think I've hit them. Like what I, I, I just think this is going to absolutely be my limit getting to Melbourne. Um but it's definitely shown that you can do more than you think you can. I definitely didn't know if I could even finish. I started with zero confidence in getting to the end um, and that confidence grew and grew as I went. Um, and I think there's also the why associated with doing as much as I can 
for you know for my cause um i think the more money i can raise the more people i get not even talking about it but just pe- being aware that it's an issue because unfortunately the kind of the, the real issue is no one knows it's an issue um so just be like hey have you do we realize this is happening you know it's you know it's such a beautiful part of australia i'd be ashamed to lose it um so they're definitely what drives me forward um yeah and i think when i look back on my life i i, I just want to think you know you made it i wouldn't want to stop now because imagine being like yeah i made it 94 percent of the way to melbourne you're like well, why didn't you just get get it done you know <laughs> Yeah, it's, I heard someone say the other day on a podcast where they said it's about like creating stories for the grandkids and you don't want to be the person who went like in his, he said in his granddad's case, it was he swam most of the English channel. Yeah, he didn't actually complete it. And it's like, you don't want to be the person who goes, well, I did most of it. I want like you want to Absolutely. be like, I did this, this and this and I've accomplished all these things. Yeah, and yep. I got to Holbrook. You're like, oh, well done. You know, so I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's nothing, absolutely nothing. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? Because, like, you've broken the record and you've smashed it by, what is it now? It's, like, 27 days. But Yeah. So you've done the 27 days extra, but if you stop now, people would look at it almost like a failure because you said 150 days, but it's, like, this incredible achievement where you've blown it out of the park, but it's now, like, you could have finished, but now you've just got to keep going. <laughs> I know that's the most annoying thing about um, Christmas. I thought, oh, I could have stopped, you know, the day before Christmas and that could have been my number and everyone would have been stoked. But yeah, I said that at the start. So now I have to achieve it. And now that I'm in that final bit that I have to, I feel like I have to achieve. I'm like, oh, it's so hard. <laughs> but this is where I think I'm going to get the most growth, right? I'm going to get the most, this is where it is hard. So I have to rely more on my mental strength to get over the physical challenges. And I'm going to have to rely on, you know, a gear that may or may not exist. So I'm excited to see if it does. Yeah. So what day do you get into Melbourne? It's January the 16th. So um, 16th. I'm going to, the 16th, so it's a Monday, which is slightly annoying, but I'm going to plan to finish um, at the Pillars of Wisdom at the Botanical Gardens, uh, that kind of famous tan start stop mark at 6 p.m. So I'm going to do an afternoon run. So please, I pray to the weather gods that it's not, 40 degrees or something ridiculous um it, and that's we'll see it's ridiculous weather at the minute i'm hoping for you it's not that hot but oh it's so hot here i'm like sweating bullets outside right now i haven't experienced so the other day i think it was the 27th it was like i've not experienced heat like it like it's just it's like it burns your skin when you're in the shade and i can't even imagine what it's like running for four and a half hours in that heat it's horrible it's horrible um yeah it's it's i'm leaving really early but it still gets you you just can't really avoid it so yeah yeah so how are we gonna get through with the new year or when i finish when you finish i think i'm gonna have well all of my family and friends um will be at the finish line so just a few a few beverages with them um i think that actual day will be a bit of a blur just because i'll be a little bit overwhelmed and a bit tired and a bit emotional i think but after that, yeah, I just want to, I want to sit down in some, some sort of nice area. Um, yeah. And just do nothing. I think my, my, my celebration is going to be isolation from the world just for like a day, just, you know, just silence and no exercise. Just take <laughs> it all in. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. one question I like to ask everyone at the end of a podcast is how do they, how would they like to be remembered? Mm. I think. I, I very much am proud of 
my positivity in difficult situations. Um, I think I always try and see the light or the, or the funny side or, or, I mean, particularly when I'm fighting a, an issue that can be quite, you know, grim, it's probably easy to take the nihilistic side of things. But I always, I always think that there's hope um, and I always fight for that hope. So, yeah, I guess positivity, positive, I would have to lean on. <laughs> Love it. Absolutely love it. So let everyone know where they can find you, how they can support the cause. So we've got um, 16 or 17 days to go. I think it was 17, wasn't it? Um, it's all on Tip to Toe 2022 on Facebook and Instagram and the website's exactly the same. So if you want any information on the cause, it's all there. But if you want to follow along and see all the fun stories, it's on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and there is also a link to donate there too. Love it. Thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Okay, thank you for listening to episode five of the Quantum Podcast with Akana Mori Bartlett. You'll find all her links below and please go and donate to her GoFundMe page. It's for a really important cause, not just here in Australia, but worldwide. Extinction is a problem and it really gets overlooked. So please donate what you can and support the cause. And thank you for listening and I will see you next Monday with another episode.